Good morning. Uh, we are going to start by singing Holy is the Lord. The words will be on the screen and also in your bulletin.
Good morning. Good to see all of you here this morning. Welcome here. It's a chilly Sunday morning, but we're all, I hope we're all glad to be here. Um, welcome also to uh, those who will be watching our service, any, to any that will be listening to our service. Uh, thank you also for joining us. We have a, a guest speaker with us this morning, Ron Burley, and uh, his wife, Nancy, right? Ron and Nancy, so welcome here. Glad to have you here and looking forward to hearing what you have to say this morning. For an opening scripture, I'd like to read uh, from Psalm 139. Uh, I'll begin by reading the first 10 verses, and then I'll read the last two. So Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in, behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. And I'll skip over to the last two verses, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. These verses remind us that God sees and knows everything we do and say and think even before it happens. That could be enough to cause some anxiety in some of us except for the fact that Jesus died for our sins. Our sins have been forgiven and we have the sure hope of eternal life in heaven. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are God. Lord, you see all things, you know all things, you are present everywhere. Father, we are a sinful people, but because of what Jesus has done for us, we don't need to be anxious about our sinfulness. If we've placed our trust in you, but we can be assured of your forgiveness. Thank you, God, for the privilege we have of knowing you and being able to come to you at any time. Thank you for this time of worship, and Lord, may all that is said and done bring honor to you. Amen. Let's gather to lead us in a couple more songs. 
Uh, the next song that we'll sing is His Mercy is More. Again, words on the screen or in your bulletin, wherever you prefer to look at those. Stronger than dark 
this next song I think might be new for most of you. So we will do some repeating. We'll sing the first verse. We'll repeat the first verse. We'll sing the the next portion. We'll repeat it. We'll repeat the chorus. Uh, so we will uh, hopefully be able to worship together in song by the end of it. Starts with a thousand generations. A thousand generations falling down in worship to sing the song of ages to the Lamb. And all who've gone before us and all who will believe will sing the song of ages to the Lamb. Sing a thousand generations again. A thousand generations falling down in worship to sing the song of ages to the Lamb. And all who've gone before us and all who will believe will sing the song of ages to the Lamb. Your name is highest. Your name is the highest. Your name the greatest your name stands above them all all thrones and dominions all powers and positions your name stands above them all sing your name your name is the highest your name is the greatest your name stands i 
again and if you've been redeemed sing the song forever to the lamb and if you walk in freedom and if you bear his name sing the song forever to the lamb we'll sing the song forever Thanks for leading us, Heather. Just take a brief look at uh, some of the announcements in the bulletin. On page two, near the top, our missionaries of the week are Preston and Myra Wheeler. Preston is serving with Leader Impact, and uh, in a recent email that uh, they sent out, uh, it's probably a few weeks ago by now, he, they mentioned that he's doing a lot of traveling in this next while, so we want to remember that. And, Pray for travel mercies for him. 
Pastor Dean is beginning his vacation time this weekend, so he's not here this morning, and Pastor Victor is also away uh, this weekend. Uh, he'll be back, uh, though, during the week. Uh, Edwin Siemens is uh, planning to have surgery tomorrow, so Edwin will be uh, away for four weeks, so let's remember to pray for him, and, and also remember John as he'll be uh, doing the custodial work on his own here for the next uh, four weeks. Helen Thiessen has moved to Salem. And then uh, you'll see an insert in your bulletin. A VBS program is coming up in about two weeks. Uh, some details are given there. And then on the back side of that uh, paper is a registration form. So if you have children, grandchildren, or somebody you know that might uh, want to attend, uh, uh, please register, and uh, it should be a good time for them. Top of the next page, we have some people uh, who are still in hospital in Boundary Trails. We have Abe A. Friesen, Caroline Ham, in Notre Dame is Dave Weeb, Mary Duick, John Suderman are in Swan Lake Hospital, and Rita Friesen is in Morris. And just one expression of sympathy there. Um, Antison's uh, sister uh, has passed away, so let's remember her. I'll ask you to read the other announcements on your own time, and uh, let's bow forward a prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you again for who you are. Thank you, God, for your love and your faithfulness. Lord, as we've just been reminded in the song that we sang, our sins there are many, your mercy is more. And God, we are so thankful that you are a merciful God. Lord, we bring before you the different needs of our church. We pray for those with health needs, the ones in hospital that we've already mentioned, and also a number of others who are dealing with health issues at home. And Father, we ask that you would grant strength and encouragement, that you would grant patience where that is needed, and that you would grant healing. We pray for Edwin as he prepares for surgery tomorrow, and Lord, we ask that you would guide the hands of the surgeon that you would be with the rest of the medical team as they perform the surgery, and we pray for a successful surgery and that the healing process for Edwin would go well. We pray for your peace and comfort for Anne Thiessen after the passing of her sister. Father, we thank you for our missionaries that have gone out to serve We've heard from some in the last couple of weeks, and today we thank you and pray for the work of Preston and Myra Wheeler as they serve with Leader Impact. And Father, we ask your protection over Preston as he travels, that you would grant much wisdom to him as he gives leadership to Leader Impact. We pray that you would guide those who are planning the upcoming VBS program and that the event would be not only a fun time for the children that attend, 
but also a good time of learning more of you. Lord, we thank you for the staff of our church. We ask that you would be with each of them as they do their work throughout the week. And we pray for a good and safe vacation time for Pastor Dean and his wife, Cheryl. Lord, we pray for Ron Burley as he um, brings the message this morning. And we ask that you would guide his words as he does that. Now, Father, as we give our offering, we thank you that we are able to give. And Lord, we pray that our offering would be used to further your work. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Ushers, you can come forward. Our scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 34. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. 
Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is a man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and save those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones, not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. Thus far the reading of God's word. I told Ron earlier that I wasn't going to call him up when it was his turn, but I changed my, mama, changed my mind. So, Ron, it's your turn. Welcome here. Uh, we look forward to uh, hearing what you have to share with us this morning. Well, it's a privilege to be here this morning. And while it's the first time that I'm, I've been here, I recognize uh, some familiar faces. Because if the truth were to be told, I sometimes attend a men's breakfast and some of the men that I see from there are here, and I'm thankful for that. They've become some of my close friends over the years, so I'm thankful for that. I'm here this morning with my lovely wife, Nancy. We've been blessed with eight children and uh, 22 grandchildren, and they all live within an hour and a half, roughly, of us, so that's, uh, that's a blessing in itself, and so we're very thankful. We live in the country east of Roland, and um, enjoy the good life here in Manitoba. My work, just very briefly to introduce myself, I work as a real estate appraiser, uh, soon to be retired, and uh, wishing for that uh, in the next short while. I work also as a, uh, as a chaplain at the Flying J truck stop in Headingley, part-time there as a volunteer. And uh, there we have 143 uh, new truckers every night that show up and uh, we try to reach the needs of, that, of the trucking people. And uh, they're a lonely group of men, and so we try to uh, speak with them about the Lord. We also, my wife and I, we also put signs on the highways that try to direct people to a website that we have, sermon with a four and a U, a letter U, and the people can go there, and they can uh, look at eight or nine gospel-only videos. It's a non-denominational site and so this summer, our goal is to uh, try to put the label of just the word hope with our URL, SermonForYou.com, on the back of, of 200 semi-trailer doors. 
Now, believe it or not, in the North American highways, the twin highways, there's about 4,000 to 5,000 cars past that back door of that semi every day. So if we were to label 200 semi-trader doors, we would have roughly a million people a day see the word hope. And then if they're interested, they could go to the internet and find out more about the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's what we do. And we're happy to do it. And we, when Dean asked me to speak this morning, I was also happy to say yes, Dean's become a good friend of mine and Victor as well. So I'm happy just to open the word of God with you this morning. I wanna to talk to you about prayer. That's on my mind, and that's why the sermon this morning was the prayer of the vulnerable. Some time ago, I, uh, I memorized some psalms, and, and specifically looking in the psalms for, for uh, verses that would, uh, that would be applicable to prayer. There's lots of prayer verses in the Bible, but some are well hid. And these are, I've discovered some, and I want to share some of these with you this morning. And in doing so, I want to finish with a story. You know, when God answers a prayer in our life, a significant prayer in our life, it becomes a story that we must tell. And some of you have heard this story, and uh, I, I apologize for that in one way and, and not in another. So, because I hope in the, in the rehearing of it and in the retelling of it, we are all blessed because of it. To see God at work in our lives because we are people, we are a people of prayer. And so I want to encourage you. In my life, it seems to me that I, I work through disciplines. I try to focus on a specific spiritual discipline in my life. It might be a season of just reading my Bible. I was given a good, uh, a, a good hint some time ago by Brother Hugh Morrow as he said, Sometimes he just bought a, a Bible and there's not a marking in it. And he just reads the clear word of God. No side margin markings of his own, but he just takes the word of God and read it. I've taken that up myself to do that. I've taken a red letter Bible and just read the words of the Lord Jesus and nothing else. Many things we can do to strengthen our own spiritual lives. For me, I'm working on the aspect of prayer in my life. I notice it's a need in my life. And I'm noticing too in my own life that as I get older, perhaps prayer is the greater resource for us. You know that um, it's maybe a secret to some of you, but I don't do stairs two at a time anymore, going up or going down. And when there's something heavy over 70 pounds to lift, I become very polite and I defer to the person that looks the strongest and say, you're first, you go ahead. And uh, I now understand fully why my father took a nap on a Saturday afternoon. I'm 67 here this soon, and I notice that, that uh, life begins to take its toll. And no matter the confines of life, and as we get older, we'll have more of those. But I'm reminded that there are things that we can do that the body no matter what condition it's in, we're still can do them. Paul said to the church in Thessalonians, Rejoice evermore, in everything give thanks, pray without ceasing, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And so as we get older in life, there's three things that will never stop us. I think of Paul writing from a prison, and he's there with his, his friend Epaphras. And Epaphras would have rather been in 
in, uh, he would have rather been in Colossae, ministering to the believers whom he loved, but he was behind prison bars. But even the prison bars would not keep him from the throne of grace. Because Paul said of him, my beloved brother Epaphras, he is always laboring fervently for you in prayers, in behind bars. Now that is not speaking about my prayer life. It may be about yours. But I don't consider my prayer life a work. It should be in our life. It should be in our life. He was always laboring fervently for you in prayer. And so I want you to turn with me, if you will, to Psalm chapter 40. I wonder if you have your Bible, turn to Psalm chapter 40. I want to find, we'll find a prayer there in Psalm chapter 40. And I want to introduce this prayer to you. In Psalm chapter 40, I'll try to watch the time this morning. There it is there. Psalm chapter 40. Let me just find it in my Bible. It says here, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. Well, there's a prayer. We cry unto God in our prayer life. He inclined unto me and he, sorry, and he heard my prayer. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, this is a wonderful verse, many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to us were, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. What a wonderful passage of scripture. I want to lay out before you this morning two foundations in prayer. I've just uh, found these in my own reading. There are two pillars, really. The first one is this, and I want to open up these verses to you. The, the interesting word there in verse number one, it says, he inclined unto me and he had heard my cry. You know, when I was a young boy, I was in grade five, and I won a contest in our school. And I was the only, they, they picked one winner from each school. And we all arrived one day at, on a Saturday morning at the Lieutenant Governor's Mansion in Victoria, BC. And all these couple of busloads of these children, and I was one of them representing our school, and we were invited for a lunch with the Lieutenant Governor of Canada in his mansion in Victoria. Lieutenant Governor George R. Perks was the one at the time. And I never really knew the significance of it, but I do remember getting out of this van and stepping down on a red carpet, and it had been raining a tiny bit, and there was leaves on the carpet. And then going under a canopy and walking up this red carpet. I'd been raised in the country. I'd never walked on red carpet before in my life. It impressed me. I felt like taking my shoes off. And at the top of this long walkway were these stairs. And at the top of the stairs was a Lieutenant Governor of Canada awaiting our arrival. And I thought of that. And he inclined unto me. You know, the Lord wants us to be found in his presence. And it's as though he gives us a, a red carpet invitation into his presence. And when I go to prayer in the morning, I open the Bible in my lap and I think about prayer, I think of the Lord who invites us into his presence, to come boldly into his presence. 
I remember the Lieutenant Governor welcoming us into his home as us children walked up this red carpet. And God, every morning is there. And you know, sometimes I am not. Sometimes I am not. He is always faithful to be there. To invite us into his presence, he gives us the red carpet inclination. Come into my presence and pray. And God is always there at the end of that red carpet for us. And sometimes I am not. It's wonderful to think that we never have to wait on God. He's always there for our prayer life. We need to learn that we can always come into his presence. We're invited to come into his presence with boldness in order that we might receive grace and mercy in our great time of need. And we are in a needy day today. We need to be in prayer. Wonderful to think that we have that inclination from God who invites us into his presence. The first two words of this, of this psalm is, I waited patiently. Waited and patiently are the exact same word in the Hebrew language. It's as though, you know, when God speaks once, it's something. When he speaks twice, it's something else. We better pay attention. When we speak twice, we generally haven't prepared enough sermons. But God has spoken twice here. He says, I waited patiently. Those two words are the exact same word. We don't do that in our English language so much. But the word means to twist together. It means to twist events together. That's what the word means. I waited patiently. And I look at it like this. That when we pray, we come into his presence, that red carpet invitation. God begins to twist together events. We may never see them. Sometimes he gives us the privilege of seeing those events. And that's the story I'll tell you today. But we may never see them in our life. But we can be assured of this, that God is working. And he's twisting together events. I waited patiently. Never forget those words. God's at work like the back of a tapestry, putting it all together for us. We may never see it. But we can be assured that when we pray, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me, and he heard my cry. That's a guarantee for each one of us. I want to go just quickly because of time to verse 5. A wonderful verse this is. It says, many, O Lord. That word many in the Hebrew means abundant in size, in quality, and in rank. It means to abound. Many, O Lord, are thy wonderful works unto me. It's a tremendous thing, really. It's to abound. And here we have this thing, this verse that says, many are thy wonderful works. The idea there in the original language, in the Hebrew language, that they are causatively wonderful. In other words, God is working to, for our cause. He's working for our benefit. He's always working for what is best for us. Many are thy wonderful, many are thy causatively wonderful, many are thy works. These works are always for our benefit. We can be assured of that. Many are thy causatively wonderful works, which thou hast done, and thy thoughts to usward, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. The thought there is they are so causatively wonderful. They are great. They are miraculous. They are, they are difficult. They are hard. These are the things that God is prepared to do for us, and they're always for our benefit. It's wonderful, isn't it? You know, this, this pillar, if we want to look at it, is pillar number one. 
is the fact that God invites us into his presence. And when we pray, whether we see it or whether we don't, God is beginning to twist together events in our life in order to answer that prayer. And we can be assured of this, that when God is working, he's working causatively on our behalf. And there are so many things, there are so many things that he is doing that we will not ever see them perhaps until eternity. But we know that he is doing these causatively marvelous things. And God as a creator can sometimes change the formula. The idea here is they are too marvelous for me. I says here, I can't even count them. Uh, he says, uh, if I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. The idea there is that it's an actuary's nightmare. It's a, an accountant's nightmare. It's an equation that it can never be calculated. Why? Because God sometimes will interject something into your life because he is creator. He'll change the circumstances. He'll be moving. We may never see it, but he is creating these events in our life and he's, and he's twisting together events in order to accomplish his purposes and in order that we might give him glory. That's the point, that we might give him glory as he answers our prayer. Wonderful to think. You know, it's a wonderful word here. The, the, this wonderful, O Lord my God, are thy wondrous works. I look, it's interesting sometimes to look in Genesis to find, Genesis is the book of beginnings. And it's good to go back to the book of Genesis and see where these words are first occurred. Now there are lots of questions in Genesis. Adam, where art thou? Um, Am I my brother's keeper? Lots of questions. If you read through the book of Genesis, you'll find lots of questions. The first question in Genesis is a question by the devil himself. What hath God said that you shall not eat of every tree of the, in the garden? It's in direct contradiction to the law of the obedience of God. That's the first question of the Bible. But the first time that I find a, a, a verse where this word causatively wonderful is in, is in Genesis chapter 18. You remember the story, Abraham sitting in his tent. Two men come along and he says to his wife, quick, make three cakes, goes and catches a calf, says to his servant, dress this calf. So much for hanging it for 31 days, I would think, or 21 days. Anyways, he sits under the tent and this person says, um, the Lord, says, about this time next year, your Sarah will be giving birth to a son. And Sarah hears it in the tent, and she laughs within herself. And the Lord says, why did Sarah laugh within herself when I told her that I'd be back next year to give birth? And here's the word. Is anything too hard for the Lord? That's a rhetorical question. A rhetorical question is a question that has an obvious answer. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Every one of us here in this audience would say, no. That's an obvious answer to that question. It's a rhetorical question. Well, here is the first mention of anything too wonderful. Is anything too wonderful? If you go back to the Hebrew language, here again we have a word that can be divided. Uh, into, into, it's divided. Here it says, is anything too hard? Is and, and too hard are the same word. It's as though just the word is, is enough. Is there a question in your life that could begin with is, 
that can't be answered by God? Is, that's the word. It's these causatively wonderful things. It's the word pala in the Hebrew language. Is, is the only word we need. I've been do, doing up my resume recently, to pull it out of the, the vault just so that I could go and generate maybe some new customers for my sons who I wanted to t- turn my business over into. And so the object is to lengthen my resume. It's more impressive as if it's long, isn't it not? Would it be that if we could say reverentially that God has, might have a resume and it only requires two letters? The word pala, and we find it here in this verse, in 18, Genesis chapter 18 and verse 14. Is anything too hard? It's joined, but in the, in the Hebrew language, when we translate it into our English language, we can separate it. Is, anything is a different word. Too hard is the same word again. Is too hard anything? But it seems to me in my simple thinking that perhaps God's resume would be, would be just enough with just two letters, is. Because there's not a question we can answer in our spiritual life that begins with the word is. Is God in my situation? Is God watching my children? These are the kind of questions that we ask all the time. And this is the first time we find that word is, pala in the, new, in the Bible, and it's a rhetorical question. Is anything too hard for the Lord? It comes with a resounding answer of no. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. God is always in our situation. We must move on because we must deal with the second pillar here and then I want to tell a story quickly. Psalm 77. Psalm 77. Here's a man who is troubled. Psalm 77. He's troubled. He's laying awake at night and he can't sleep because of the troubles in his life. Here's what it says. I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. There's our prayer. There's a well-hidden prayer in our Bible. The second prayer we're to talk about this morning. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. I ran sore in the night and seized not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained. And my spirit was overwhelmed. Sita, thou holdest mine eyes waking, and I am so troubled that I cannot speak. Wow. You and I have been there too in our lives, in our Christian experience. When we've laid awake, and just like this man, Asaph, he's laying awake because of the troubles in his life. He says in verse 6, I call to remember that my song of the night I commune with my own heart and my spirit made diligent search. Now here are six rhetorical questions. They all have the exact same answer. Listen to what he says. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Does his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Now what's the answer to those questions? The answer is no, we all know it. It's a rhetorical question. But here's his answer. He says in verse 10, And I said, This is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High, says in verse 11, this is the key, 
I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember the wonders of old. And the thought there in the word remember is to set a mark. That's what it means to set a mark. I remember hiking as a young boy. And sometimes we would go in unknown territory. So we would put something and tie something onto a tree or maybe make a rock formation. So we know we were coming back the same way. This is the idea here. This man went into the, the annals of God's history and he remembered that God had been faithful in the past and he will be faithful again. He goes on and talks to how the God who parted the waters. God can do these sorts of things. And he had to go back. And so here's our two principles. I very quickly this morning will run out of time. The first principle is that when we pray, we're invited into his presence. And when we pray, God begins to twist together events. We may never see them. Sometimes he gives us the privilege of seeing them. But we can always be assured of this when he is twisting together these events. They're always causatively for our benefit. And there are so many that we may never be able to calculate them until we get to eternity. We see what God has done. The second pillar is this. That when God does that for you, and he answers your prayer in a way that no other person could answer them. This not circumstances. This has to be God that did this in my life. Then we've set down a mark. We remember that prayer answered. Because someday in the future, you're going to be like this man in Psalm 77. And you're going to need to remember the works of God in your life. And you're going to go back to the, that prayer. You know, there's been times I've sat in my chair at home. The story I'm going to tell you shortly, I've sat there with tears really running down my eyes to thinking, how could God have done that in my life? And you'll have prayers like that answered in your life too. Don't forget them. It said, I will remember the works of the Lord. Mark them down in your life. Tell them to your children. Tell them to your grandchildren. Repeat them from the pulpit if you have to, which I'm going to do this morning. Because these are the works of God. And he wants us to be encouraged by the things that he wants to do in our life. It's tremendous to know that God could answer. And so we, as we're encouraged to pray and as God begins to answer these prayers, it increases our faith. And it helps us to take hold of the promises of God in our life. And go to him and be men and women who have gone into God's presence. Never forgetting that he's always there. He's always expecting us to be there. And he invites us into his presence in order that we might find mercy, obtain mercy, and find grace to help in our time of need. And just in the last five or so minutes, I'm just going to tell you a, a very quick story. Years ago in Calgary, I was in business for myself, and I had a, a few people working for me at the time. I was doing real estate appraisals and environmental engineering, and... Um, I had just signed a lease to the building. I had rented the, the second floor of a, of a commercial office space. Uh, and it was a time when rents were high. Rents could go up and down in Calgary. And it was a triple net lease, which means I was paying not only the rent, but the insurance, the taxes, and the expenses for maintenance. It was a high cost. And no sooner had I signed that lease than another opportunity came up that I wanted. And I was stuck for six years in this lease. And I just didn't want to abandon the lease and start a lawsuit or anything. So I, I thought, you know, maybe I'll just phone the landlord. He lived in Vancouver. And I said to him, look, I've got another opportunity that I'd like to pursue. Is there any chance you may have somebody else that would want this building? It was a good demand for buildings at the time. 
and I'll be happy to give three or four months rent uh, um, a notice and we'll move out in a clean way and you won't, you won't lose any income. But he said, oh, I'm flying out next week. Let's sit down and talk. So he came into my office and he had a very quick talk. I told him what my intention was, not to negate the lease. I didn't want to get out of the lease in a, in a way that would offend him, but I was hoping that there might be somebody else who would take my space so that I could move on. And he left, he shook my hand, and he said these words to me. He said, I guess you, you have to do what you have to do. Just send me a letter to that effect. He walked out the door. I walked out of my office, and I said to the people that were in the office, I said, I guess we're moving. We'll send him a letter, and uh, he seems to be fine with it. And so we moved, and life went on as normal. We, I never drove by that property again. It was a bit off the beaten track for us, off the main McLeod Trail. It was a block off. And uh, six and a half years, roughly, went by. And life was going on as normal. One day, I was in the basement of my house having the Bible reading with the kids downstairs. 7.30 in the morning, maybe quarter to eight. And there was a loud knock on the door. I thought, well, who would that be at quarter to eight in the morning? I went up to the door, and there was a man there standing there with an envelope in his hand. And he said, are you Ron Burley? And I said, yes, I am. He said, this is for you. And he walked away and turned around and walked away. Well, I knew exactly what was happening. I was being processed to be sued. I opened the envelope up. It had a large law firm on the label on the envelope. And sure enough, here was a letter saying that I had abandoned a lease for six years, that I was responsible because he could not lease that building. I was responsible for the six years rent. I was responsible for the taxes, the heat and the utilities. I was responsible for some of his security that he had to go look, for his trips to come out and try to sign failed uh, people, who lease, uh, people who would be willing to lease his property. And at the very bottom was a large amount of money as well for the duress and the opportunity costs that he lost because he didn't have this guaranteed cash flow to pursue other opportunities in Vancouver. And so at the bottom was a grand total of a large bill and I began to panic. And I thought, how could that have ever happened? And I drove over to this property, walked up the stairs to the second floor and sure enough, not a soul in this second floor the outside perimeter, and I'd always kept it nice and clean. There was an emergency stairwell down the back, and I walked down there, and it was cluttered with garbage and dust and paper. And I walked down those stairs, my heart was just sunk. This has been abandoned for six years, and I'm responsible for this. How am I going to get out of this? It was only hearsay. I have nothing to document that it would say that he would give me permission. So I hired a friend who was a lawyer. And he came back a week later with a bill of $850 and a half-page letter that said, this case could go either way. I said, well, I could have told you that. That's not, that's no. I hired, went to another lawyer and he said, well, give me $6,000 and I'll work it off at $175 an hour. Well, I don't like those situations either. And I said to my wife, what are we going to do? I'm worried. I'm laying awake. I'm like this man in, in, in Psalm chapter 77. My eyes are wide open at two in the morning. I'm wondering, what is God going to do? And my wife said, why don't we just pray about it? I said, pray about it. We need, we need something tangible here. Finally, over a period of time, she convinced me that we would pray about this. We would commit it to the Lord. I hadn't purposely harmed this man. And so we began to pray. I never pursued any other legal interest. I thought, well, we'll just pray. We'll leave it in the Lord's hands. The whole family was praying for this situation. 
Well, it was getting close to the court date and I hadn't really done anything. I wasn't prepared and I thought, well, at the worst, I could probably just go representing myself and just put on an honest face and just tell the judge exactly what happened and hopefully the court would fall in my direction. But if it didn't, I was in trouble. I was going to have to refinance. It was going to change my financial picture. If I, especially if I got uh, caught with a whole bill plus his legal fees. And uh, I was worrying about it. I was doing a lot of court work at the time in my work. And so I knew I could get an extension. So I went and I applied for an extension. I got an extension of the court date for three weeks, three more weeks to pray. And it got down to the second week, down to almost the final week. And I didn't know what I was going to do. Well, I had decided in my company, I was expanding another aspect of the company, and I had decided for six months I would do no appraisal work. I would just leave that to the other staff, and I would focus on the other side of the company, which was environmental engineering, and I was developing business. And I was sitting in my office, and the appraisal orders used to come in, and there was a secretary there, and she had a console around her desk, and, the, and she would write the appraisal orders out, and she would put them and place them on the console. And as the appraisers walked in the door, they would look at these appraisals and they would, well, that was their client, they'd take that, and I would observe them taking them off the table. And, uh, oh, that was, I'm going there near there tomorrow, so I'll take that one, and away they go to the back to work. But I noticed there was one piece of paper. They'd pick it up and look at it and put it to the side. From about 10 o'clock in the morning till about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, every appraiser that came in, I noticed he picked up a piece of paper, looked at it, and put it to the side. He didn't take it. So at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I walked over to the thing and I looked at this one piece of paper and I knew exactly why they had rejected this job. It was a very difficult address. Nobody wanted to appraise this piece of property. It was a unique property. It was a high value. It was going to take way more time than a normal appraisal. And so I grabbed the piece of paper and I walked into my desk and the secretary said, what are you doing? I said, I think I'll just do this one. I don't want to get too rusty. And she said, well, I thought you weren't going to do any. Why don't you just give it to one of the other guys and pay them the full fee? They'll be happy to do it for a full fee without you taking a spit of it. And I said, no, I'll do it all myself. I just, whatever got me to think of doing that, I don't know to this day, except that God was in it. I made the appointment with this man, and I remember driving out to this car thinking, what am I doing? I'm totally off track. I'm totally unfocused. I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing, and it's a bad property. It's going to take me a day to do it, a day of downtime. I should be focused on this other area of the company. Met this man at the house. He was a very nice man. He sold safety supply equipment for companies that need safety equipment in their, in their supply. We had a great talk, and I looked at this property, and uh, we went out to his truck afterwards and still talked maybe 10 or 15 minutes on the street. And, had a nice talk. And in Calgary, it's an unusual thing, but almost everybody you greet, especially in the downtown core, in the business community, you always have a business card in your pocket. You leave with a half a dozen business cards, and whoever you meet, you're never finished the greeting until you hand them your business card. It's like a ritual there. You just And they look at the card, and they look at your credentials, and that's kind of... Maybe it's a pride moment for many people. I don't know. You've always got a business card. I don't see that so much here. And as I left, I handed him my business card, and he handed me his, and I put his in my pocket. And he wasn't, during the course of a week, we would often get business cards that 
never mattered for the, in the future for me at all. If it was a, another source of business, I might keep it. But at the end of the week, I would take all these business cards that I accumulated. There might be eight or ten of them, and I would just toss them in the garbage because I would never contact this person again for anything else. And that was one of these people. I was, he wasn't going to be a source of business. He was just the contact. And he said, oh, sorry about that. I gave you the, I gave you the business card with the wrong address. Well, it, it wouldn't have mattered to me at all where his address was, whether it was the right or the wrong address. But for some reason, I reached back into my pocket and I pulled out his business card and I looked at the address. Why I did that to this day, only God knows. It said, Suite 201, 4702 First Street, Southeast Calgary. I said, now just hold a minute now. <laughs> Suite 201, 4702 First Street, Southeast Calgary. He goes, yeah, that was our old space. We were there for six years. We just moved three months ago. He says, sorry, I don't have my other card. I said, no, that's not the point. I said, if I got the address right here, and I need the business on the main floor, and I said, you go up the set of stairs, it's off to, off, off to the left, then you go the rest of the stairs. Yeah, we were up there for six whole years. We were up there, that whole second floor we had. He said, we just moved out three months ago. I said, okay. Um, would your boss have a copy of the lease? Oh, he's a great guy. I'm sure he can give you the first page of the lease anytime you want. I said, thank you very much. I remember driving home, knowing that this lawsuit was fraudulent. This man was just hoping that I would maybe take a, give him a seventy or $80,000 check and settle out a court and it would all be done. But now I had the, his business card with this address and the availability of the first page of a lease that say that there was a company in that building for the full six years that this man was claiming it was a vacant. And I went down, and I, I, was quite in, uh, I was quite aware of what went on in the courts at the time. I had received a statement of claim. I needed a file with a statement of defense. I remember going back to my computer, and I created my own statement of defense. And for every point he said that he, I owed him money on, I countered and said these were all false and true. And I folded it all up, put it in an envelope, and went down to the 30th floor of this law firm. And it was lunchtime. There wasn't a secretary on the front desk. And I walked in and I thought nobody was there, so I walked down the hallway and there was this man's name. The door was partially open. I pushed his door open and he was just, had just put about the first two or three inches of a foot-long sub in his mouth as I walked in. So he wasn't prepared to say anything to counter me. And I put my envelope on his desk and I said, here, this is for you, and I walked out. And about a week and a half later, I got a letter from the court saying that the court case had been canceled. Now let me tell you what God had to do to answer that prayer. Remember we said God twists things together? We may never see them. But sometimes God gives us the privilege of seeing what he has done behind the scenes. There are over 50 Scotia branches in Calgary. Of every branch, there's probably four or five personal lenders that people go to to get a mortgage, maybe more. So there's a, roughly 200 to 250 lenders in Calgary, of which we were maybe doing 15 or 20 of them at the most. So maybe 10% of the branches, the lenders we were actually servicing, they were using other appraisers. They weren't our clients. Here's what God had to arrange in all of this. 
He had to change my desire to get out of my chair, pick up that appraisal order, and decide to go against my better judgment and take on this job. That man who met me at the house was the owner. He wasn't the purchaser. He had to get up in the morning and put the wrong business card in his pocket to meet me at that house. He was just one little, one little twist. The guy that was buying the house had to bank at a Scotia bank to apply for that mortgage. I never met that man, but he had to apply at one of the 10 out of 200 or 250 Scotia lenders in Calgary that we were actually, that, where that appraisal would come to our, our office. Any one of the other appraisers could have picked it up and completed that appraisal, maybe with groaning and frowns on their face, and I would have never known it. it would have just bypassed me. And I had, to, I had to take the effort. He had to make the comment. The con- oh, just the comment. Oh, sorry, that's my wrong address. What would it ever matter to me? And I had to take the effort to pull the card out and take a second look, which was against me. I mean, I don't usually do those sorts of things. And take a look at that second address. That's what God did to answer my prayer. Let me just read again. Will God cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in his anger shut up his tender mercies? And every one of us this morning would say with a resounding no, God is able to, to work in our lives. He's able to do these things if we come to him. Never forget that red carpet of invitation. Be there in the morning for the Lord as you pour out our hearts to him for our needs. And be confident of this, that God is twisting together events which are causatively for our behalf, our better. Let's all be people of prayer this week. Make a a fresh resolve to understand the, the power of prayer in our life. God bless each one of you. Uh, Why don't you stand for our last song? If you are able, we'll sing, Lord, I Need You. Mom.
my song. So teach my song to rise to you. for a new week. We're all facing a new week. It's exciting, isn't it? We can live for the Lord. Might be this. Jude is the last two verses. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless. You know, the, in our life, we, we can fall. It's the word stumbling in the original language. And the reason why we do the reason how we can avoid that is found in Romans chapter 8, that we may walk, not by the flesh, but by the Spirit. That you may, it says there, now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless. That is the righteousness of Christ. Find that in Romans 8 too. The law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He's given us his righteousness. He's given us his faultlessness. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his presence with exceeding joy. Now unto him who is able to keep, to the only wise God our Savior be honor and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for the Word of God, we thank you, Lord, for encouragement to our own soul. And may we this week, Lord, prove to be faithful in all that you call us to do. Help us to walk in the light of your Word and, Lord, to accomplish your purposes. We pray this in the Lord Jesus' name. Amen. God bless each one of you.